as he brings the word this morning. So can we do a day spring welcome to stand to our feet? Yes, Lord Jesus. What a great testimony, guys. We're just so proud of these guys, what they're doing and the way they're walking. And I'm in really good shape because the clock says it's 847. So let's see, I've got an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> what a great morning. <laughs> uh, Sal and I have just come back from a couple trips, uh, Minnesota and South Dakota, and then We've spent the last two weeks out in Pennsylvania. And uh, everywhere we're just, we're watching God do some extraordinary things. Um, I always, in this season, I'm, look, I'm always looking for firsts. And we had another first on this trip. Um, and Sunday morning we're preaching at a church called Encounter. Um, very large percentage of it are people who have come out either from either Amish or Mennonite background. And uh, we had a lady come in her first time in a church of this kind, and Holy Spirit touched her. Um, conviction came. She came down front during the invitation and just began to say, just, you know, finished with legalism, complete transformation. I began to take off some of the religious garb that she had and just came all the way from legalism into freedom in one moment, which is just, uh, I, we're watching God do that kind of things, and we're super proud of Dennis and Linda. Um, they had been, were our first missionaries, and it's just watching God use them in that nation and just shift things, and even in this last couple of years, as he's moved them into a new setting where their age doesn't affect them quite as much as before but actually into a more effective season. And isn't, isn't that what we're believing for, that we move from glory to glory, that e even as we don't have the energy to do what we used to have, God can actually bring us into even greater effectiveness. And uh, we're just so proud of you guys. And we do, if, if anybody hasn't given, wants to give, um, just please sow in. I am going to use my phone because I don't know. There we are. We're in an unusual time in the body of Christ. There are so many voices speaking. There's so much confusion about what's truth and what's not truth. And when we come into a season like we're in in this moment, we, we can get caught up in what the enemy's doing. And we can miss what God's doing. Um, from the beginning of time, God's dealing with, with mankind has been miraculous. I mean, from creation all the way up through, the, everything is punctuated by God breaking in to the natural realm and doing things that are different than the natural realm would say or the progression that's to happen. And we're, we're in a moment right now where we have several people in the body. We just lost Larry, a really good friend, we have several people battling with cancer right now. Um, Sally and I have just walked through one of the more difficult years of our entire life, um, battling illness. And all of these things that we're seeing are contrary to what we see in the Word. 
And the challenge for us as believers are, are we going to be shifted by what we see or are going to we stand on the truth of the word? And I believe we're, we're in a critical moment where if we don't anchor ourselves in what the word says, we're going to be shifted into what the world thinks or what the culture thinks or what others are saying. And so I want to do something a little bit different. Um, I want to take the next several times I speak and I want to speak on the subject of a healing apologetic. Uh, one, of the, one of the calls on Sal in my life that's been there now for more than 40 years is a call to see healing restored to the gospel. That, that's, that's a mandate on our life. It's not something we do because we think it's good to do. It's something that we are because that's what God put on us. And it's a responsibility we carry. And when we go in different places of the earth, one of the, one of the things we do is help bring people and groups into a greater release in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And, and so what I would like to do is I would like to look into Scripture. There are seven primary proofs in Scripture that healing belongs in the gospel today. And we're not going to touch all seven today. We're going to try to touch one today. But over the next several times I speak, I just want to lay this in as a foundation. As I want us to take time to do it. I've taught this here early in day spring. I've taught this, but I've not taught it for several years. I've taught it more overseas. But I just really felt as we're facing this increase in sickness and increase in just challenges that we need to get the foundation back underneath us. We'll start in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, Paul says this, having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Second uh, Corinthians is, is, I think many of you know, one of my favorite books in Scripture. Uh, one of the things I like the most about Second Corinthians is that Paul is doing the defense of his ministry. He's answering some of the things that have been, been said and been talked about. And so he, he goes into the things that actually motivate him. And this is one of his motivations. His motivation is that he's believes based, he speaks based on what he believes. And we're in the same way. When you begin to speak or you begin to pray for healing or you're giving counsel to somebody or you're comforting somebody, the things that come out of your mouth actually come from what you believe. And so if the things that are coming out of our mouth aren't full of faith, we need to challenge some of the things we're believing. Because if we're not believing correctly, we're not going to speak correctly. We're not going to declare correctly. We're not going to be able to stand in the face of difficult situations and be able, be able to find faith in those. Um, we can only pray for healing with freedom if we believe correctly. If we're unsure of whether God wants to heal or we're unsure if it's his will or all of the things that kind of flow through our minds, that uncertainty is going to affect the confidence and the boldness with which we speak. And that becomes a faith issue. Um, so, you know, doubt in our minds is actually the enemy of faith. And so we've got to, if we're going to be a people in this hour who declare 
what the word says. We've got to be a people who, who deal with our doubts in a real way and deal with them biblically. Uh, I, I don't want you just doing this because I say so. I want you to do this because you believe it. One of the, I actually developed these seven uh, when we first started our master's degree. And one of the things about a master's degree is they want you, that they don't really care exactly what you believe, but what they care is, can you prove what you believe from Scripture? Can you lay a foundation, and can you stand firm on that foundation? And so that, that's kind of the essence or the background of what, what I want to bring. I want to start with this quote from Bosworth, F.F. Bosworth. We see from almost every conceivable angle throughout Scripture that there is no doctrine more clearly taught than that it is God's will to heal all who have need of healing and that they may fulfill the number of days of their life according to his promise. F.F. Bosworth wrote a, wrote a book, Christ the Healer. It's, it's, it's the classic on healing. Um, Bosworth was... Um, born at the end of, of the last eight, 18 something, I can't remember, 1898, somewhere in there. Um, he actually began his ministry during the Depression. Uh, he had tuberculosis, was told he was going to die, and, and a lady called, uh, she was a Methodist, called the Bible lady, and I think her name was Mrs. Perry. Um, she used to, to walk up through the hills of Georgia and Tennessee, see different areas, and just basically take Bibles and hand out Bibles to people. And uh, she, she came into a meeting where he was and laid hands on him, and he was healed. And so his, his ministry was birthed out of the, the Depression. Um, I, I always value people who live contra to the culture that they were in. And when you're going through the Great Depression... And you come out of it with this burning faith and confidence and boldness. You, you've, you've crafted something in yourself through adversity that actually brings a level of confidence to what you say. And so Sal and I would stand on this statement from Bosworth. It's, I think, one of the best said. The challenge we face right now in our culture and circumstances is that too often... Our expectation for healing or expectation for miracles or expectations for breakthrough are, are set more by our experience than they are by the truth. Because we didn't see it, therefore that becomes our truth. And, and what happens then is, is our culture shapes that and our, our experience comes out of our culture, but then those experiences are turned around and they actually become the way we interpret Scripture, so they become our doctrine. So in this convoluted way, what we experience is then shaped and becomes what we teach as a doctrine. And so for centuries, the church has lost some of the essence of the power of God that's to be moving through us in the Spirit. But we've lost it because it, it's, it's sometimes less painful to not believe than to believe when you're not seeing it. Are you all with me? Uh, when we're standing and contending and believing, uh, just to the last moment, we're believing for Larry's healing. But the fact that we didn't see that healing doesn't change the word. It, 
It just means we didn't experience all that we're believing for. And somehow we have to walk in that way in this, in, in this season of our lives. The challenge is that we, instead of pursuing miracles, we tend to make up excuses for why we're not seeing them. And uh, we excuse our powerlessness rather than dealing with ourselves and saying, God, what is it in us? Uh, I, I, I've told this story here before, but the thing that brought me into the power of the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit, Sally and I were missionaries in Kenya. Uh, a, a nurse called me over to do this to the, this, the dispensary. And I walked in, and there's a little girl sitting on the examining table. And I walked around in front of this little girl. The nurse said, this girl's dying, but there's nothing medically wrong with her. And I walked around in front of this little girl, and I actually saw a demon in her face and a demon choking her. And I was a good Baptist boy that didn't believe in these things. And I walked out of that dispensary, and that little girl died. But I went back to my house, laid on the floor of my bedroom, and said, God, never again. And am I going to stand in the face of the enemy without the power and authority to deal with what I'm seeing? And that's got to become the way we live our life, is that we, we must refuse to take what the enemy does as normal. And we must begin to take a stand beyond that. In, in this hour, we've got to see miracles restored to the gospel, because without that, the church is powerless against the culture and against the things that the enemy's doing. And so it's really important in this hour that we establish why do we believe this and what's the foundation on which we believe it. The first of the seven things that I want to kind of lay out for us is that healing is a manifestation of the kingdom. Healing is a manifestation of the kingdom. And I'll, give, I'll repeat this as we go through so we kind of get them laid into us. But if we start out, um, John the Baptist introduced this idea of the kingdom when he came on the scene. He, in Matthew 3, we read that he, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he began to declare that this thing, the kingdom is here, it's, it's, it's happening, there's something that's at hand. He, he used all these words. Um, as he goes through his ministry, Jesus comes and he's baptized and John acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah. He's the one. Um, he, John correctly steps into the background and Jesus' ministry begins to come to life and, and John's not pushing his agenda. He's, he's relinquishing that to Jesus to now be the carrier of this thing called the kingdom. But then... John is in prison, and somehow in prison, facing death, he's not seeing Jesus do what he thought Jesus would do. Uh, he's struggling with unmet expectations. He's struggling with what he'd expected. And so we read in Matthew 11, when John heard the, of the works of Jesus, um, if you just take that without the context, it looks like he was excited about the works of Jesus. The reality was John was struggling with the works of Jesus because he had expected a king like David. 
David came on the scene and all the enemies of Israel were pushed back and peace ruled and there's the expectation that somehow what the Messiah did would be entirely a natural phenomenon of restoring Israel to its greatness. And, and John would have understood that from, from Old Testament scriptures and he had that expectation. Um, but now he's in prison, he's about to die, and he's disappointed because he's not seen what he expected. Anybody ever been there? Not seen what he had anticipated. He's not seen what he thought he would see. And so in, in his struggle with unmet expectations, he sends his disciple to ask Jesus a question. And in Matthew eleven three, he asked the question, you know, are you the one or do we look for somebody else? You know, are you the one? What's, he, this is John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, but he's struggling with unmet expectation because it's not happening like he thought it would happen. I can't tell you how many times in my life it's not happened like I thought it would happen. But those things can't set the way we live or the, or the, or the way we behave or the way we speak. The foundation has got to be the Word of God and not my experience. Somehow the Word has to trump the experience. And I believe God's looking for people right now that'll put their bedrock on the Word and refuse to let the experience shift what they stand for, what they believe. Yes, we'll grieve. Yes, we'll mourn with those that mourn. My heart breaks for Stacy and the boys and, 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 and not seeing that breakthrough with Larry. My heart breaks for it. But my theology can't change because of what we experience. This is a critical time for, for believers in the body of Christ. So Jesus' answer to John is go and report to John what you see and hear, Matthew eleven five. Report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the, defer, de, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached. Jesus' answer to John's question is, you're missing the point, John. My kingdom is about breakthrough in people. My kingdom is a demonstration against the powers of darkness. It's a demonstration against what the enemy is doing. Every time somebody's delivered or healed, the kingdom of God is expanding, extending. There's an effect of that rule of God taking place around us. And so the kingdom, the primary manifestation of the kingdom from Jesus' perspective in this verse is that there would be healing, deliverance, resurrection from the dead. Three years ago now, we sat with Marlene in a hospital room up in Columbia, Missouri, and we watched the life slip out of our daughter. And it was at the time when God had spoken so clearly to us about the resurrection of the dead. We had actually had four of our spiritual kids see resurrection from the dead in the six months previous to that. And we didn't see what we believed for. But that doesn't change the truth. Just as my experience somehow isn't matched up to what's true yet. I can't shift my truth by my experience. 
And the challenge for us is then is that when we don't see what we thought happen, the easiest, quickest response in our human nature is to get offended. God didn't do what I think he should have done or what I thought he should have done. And that's exactly what Jesus' response back to John was. In the very next verse, he says, Blessed is he who does not get offended by me. Who's he talking to? John. John, be careful. Don't let unmet expectations cause you to get offended because you're not seeing it the way you expected to see it. We're watching God do the most incredible things in the earth right now. A nation, a nation we just spoke about in Southeast Asia. Within that nation, organizing to see every unreached people group touched. Setting in place during COVID a 10-year plan, playing twice a day to see That's something counterintuitive to what's going on in society. And that's what we're believing for. Um, the word offended here is the word scandalized, uh, scandaleo. We get our English word scandalized from it. But it means to fall away from faith when expectations are not met. To be scandalized, to be offended is to fall away from faith when expectations aren't met. How many of you ever might have been scandalized in your life? I can't count how many times I've been scandalized. But the truth is, we are in a spiritual battle. In, in Matthew 11, uh, 12, just a few verses later, Jesus says, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom has been treated violently, but the violently take it by force. We really are in a spiritual battle. And, it's, and there, are casually, there are casualties in that battle, but there's something in us that must rise up with a violence against the kingdom of darkness and refuse to let what the enemy is doing set our agenda or set our direction. We must refuse to let what he's doing be how we set our theology. It's critically important as the people of God that we stay founded on the word. That war isn't against people. You know, through COVID and through political issues and through a number of things, the church in this nation is the most divided that I've ever witnessed it, ever seen it. We are, we are the most divided and on so many different levels, we're divided. But in that, in that moment, it's easy to turn at somebody we don't agree with and make them the object of our offense instead of going after the enemy and saying, I refuse to be quiet about this. That's why Phil called on the Wednesday after Larry's funeral, Phil called for a healing service. And we know of at least two good testimonies coming out of that. We're believing for more coming out of that because we have to go counter to what the enemy does. We have to live counter to what the enemy does. If we don't do that, then we're simply submitting to what he's doing. So stop focusing on people. You know, there are things I don't like about things that are being done and said right now, but that's not actually my enemy. We need to pray for them. But my enemy is that power of darkness that still thinks it's got a voice, 
that still thinks it had the right. Our enemy is the cancer that that enemy puts on, the, the darkness, the death, the, the things that the enemy's doing. That is the battleground where we fight. And if we keep the battle in the right place, the weapons we've been given work. But if we start using those things against people, the weapons we have just end up destroying, tearing each other down, causing even further division. Smith Wigglesworth says this, the trouble is that we do not have the power of God in a full manifestation because of our finite thoughts. Just meditate on that one for a little bit and let that one sit inside you because of our finite thoughts. But as we go on and let God have his way, there is no limit to what our limitless God will do in response to a limitless faith. But you will never get anywhere except you are in constant pursuit of all the power of God. Something in us has got to look at what the enemy does and hunger for a breakthrough in power. We've got to recognize that's an illegal move he just made. And Father, raise up in us the boldness to walk in your power and authority. We, we've got to get past the limitations that we live in. Um, like I said right at the beginning, Sal and I have walked with this belief structure in us now for more than 40 years. There have been times when we saw something that was so difficult to deal with pastorally that I backed off in myself because it was easier to back off than to keep declaring. And we're all, we're all guilty of that at times. That's part of the, the, the season that we walk in. But in this moment in, in history, in this moment in the awakening that's birthing across the earth, this is not the moment to back down. It's the moment to press in for everything that he has for us. Just go back and look at Jesus a little bit and connect it more to the kingdom. And Jesus was going about all the cities of Galilee, teaching their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The gospel of the kingdom is always demonstrated with his healing power, with his delivering power. If we're not seeing demons flee and sickness flee, we're not really operating fully in the kingdom. We're not operating as he called us. It's just not a rational message. It's a revelation message. It's revealing King Jesus and, and his operation now on the earth through his Holy Spirit. Um, he, sent, he sent his disciples out. He sent the 12 out to proclaim the kingdom and to perform healing, to proclaim and perform, proclaim and perform, proclaim and perform. Too much of our gospel's proclamation without the performing. And if it's only proclamation, people are, are, are going to live based on a gospel that doesn't have power in it. And it's essential that we proclaim and perform. Um, when, when God's rule, his kingdom invades this age, something's going to happen. He then picks 70 a chapter later and he sends 70 out. 
And his, his instruction to them was, heal those that are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. It's essential that what Jesus did, he now delegates to his disciples and then 70 others. And then Paul makes this statement. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. This is the Apostle Paul making that declaration about what the kingdom is. So one of our foundations for belief and structure, one of our foundations for walking in healing, believing healing, teaching healing, standing for healing, is that it is a manifestation of the kingdom. When his rule is present, we should expect bodies to be healed. And if we're, if we're not seeing that, don't change your theology. Change your worship. Change your perspective. Change your pursuit. Change your belief. Because you're going to speak out of what you believe. And it's a, it's a challenge to our belief right now. Um, you know, Paul defines the kingdom message as a demonstration in word and power. Both have to be present. Both have to be functional. Both have to be at work in us. Um, what we witnessed just this week uh, was, was an extraordinary uh, movement of God among particularly the Amish in, in the southern part of Pennsylvania. There's something beginning to happen in Amish barns that's absolutely extraordinary. Um, people are coming into these barns completely just just off of the farm, walking in and getting baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. And they're starting to go and pray for people and see healings and, and breakthroughs happening. Uh, we were in one of these barn meetings and three ladies came in that had never been in any kind of charismatic meeting in their life. And they came in, sat in the back row. All three left baptized in the Spirit, um, speaking in tongues, walking in power. That That's, that's happening in... It's happening in the most unlikely places. And yet, what a privilege that we get to be part of that. Um, but it's not without challenges. This is what Wigglesworth says about those challenges. Great faith is the product of great fights. You ever been there? Great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. Great triumphs can only come out of great trials. So as we walk through a season where there's more trials than we would like to see, where there's more challenges than we'd like to live in, where we're not seeing manifestations of healing as quickly as we believe it, we should be seeing it, our our, our positioning, our stance is not to back off and figure out how to do this later. Our stance is we refuse to accept that what the enemy is doing is normal. Um, early, when Sally and I first connected with Randy Clark, one of the things that probably impacted us the most in that first conference we went to with him was he, he talked about a mystery box. I know you've heard me talk about this before, but he said, if you're going to be in the healing ministry, you really need a mystery box. Um, and everything you don't understand goes in the mystery box. And refuse to take anything out of the box unless the Holy Spirit does. 
And over the years, several times, I've had the Holy Spirit reach, reach into my mystery box and pull out a situation that I didn't understand and actually give me understanding that I wish I'd had back then. But I refuse to take anything out of that box that doesn't line up with this word. And church, it's time for us to do that, take that stand. Now, I'll admit to you, my mystery box is bigger today than it's ever been in my life. Because the further we go in this, the more things we don't fully understand. But we don't have to understand. What we have to do is love people unconditionally. Believe with them for God to touch them and then allow God to do what only God can do and release his power and presence and glory. And I believe as we do that, as we position ourselves correctly, as we stand correctly, we're going to be sent, begin to see a greater and greater manifestation of his healing power. There have been times here at Dayspring, and you know it, it's easy for us to celebrate the things we don't see or to talk about the things we don't see. But we also need to celebrate the victories, the breakthroughs. Marilyn's sitting right here on the front row. There was a time in this church when she was laying on a mattress at the back, right back there, and been told by the doctor she wasn't going to live. And yet God touched her in a service, healed her body, raised her up, and she's here alive and well. What's that? 25, year, 25 years ago, about the time these folks showed up. Um, you know, we've got to believe for that. We have, we, we have several cancer testimonies from this body of people. Um, we have a resurrection of the dead in this body of people, a young girl named Miracle. She's now 17 years old, just have her 17th birthday. She's named Miracle. Um, her, her mother walked in the back door, having just uh, been to the doctor on the Friday, um, was told the baby was dead in her womb. Uh, they scheduled a DNC on Monday for, to remove the, the dead baby. I'm back kind of comforting the family. And Sally walks up. I told her what's happening. And she just screamed life and jammed her hand into the lady's stomach. And during worship that morning, the mother felt the baby move. Um, that's... that's Celebration. That doesn't come from happenstance or just maybe it was God's timing. It comes from a belief we stand on and we refuse to back off. So would you stand with me this morning and let's just, let's just make a commitment together that we'll no longer allow the enemy to set the agenda. We'll no longer adjust our theology to make it more comfortable. Listen, I'm a pastor. It's hard when you don't see what you want to see. But we cannot change our theology. If you're in this room this morning and you need physical healing, would you put your hand up right now? Just keep it up. I want a couple of people to go to each of these hands. And when you get there, would you take the hand down? Um, and just stand with them for a moment. We're going to just believe together for breakthroughs this morning. If nobody's with you, keep your hand up till I get somebody to you. I need a lady back here with our lady. I'm Stacy right behind you there. Okay, there we are. Okay. Um, 
Now just take a moment. Ask them what they need. Ask them where the challenge is. And in Jesus' name, just stand on his word that healing is a manifestation of the kingdom. And we just begin to declare out of darkness into light. Out of darkness into light. Father, we break the bondage of sickness. Father, we curse cancer in Jesus' name. We speak healing to every person in this room now in Jesus' name. Breakthrough, 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 breakthrough in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. finish praying, would you just ask the person you're praying for, could you sense the presence of God? Could you sense Him touch you? Yes, Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for touching your body with the power of your presence, the power of your spirit. You know, the... Uh...